Hello there, viewers. My name is Rohan Polkum. I would like to clarify a mistake I have made about the podcast since its initial release. Shreesha Chopra was the chartered founder of Mon Mukti Georgia State University chapter, and Samia Bharat was the vice president and president in the following years. And during the pandemic, Samia was an integral in building Mon Mukti from the ground up and grew the club during the pandemic and has since placed emphasis during her career in the topic of mental health. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Mental health is, is something that you have to practice every single day. And it's not just about like, you know, like classic self-care things like journaling or like reading a book. It's more like boundary setting and learning how to say no when it, something is really, really taking a lot from you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Illuminated Podcast. My name is Rohan Polkom, and I will be filling in for our CEO, Kiran Kotidala. I have with me a very special guest and a very close friend of mine, Miss Samia Bharat. Hi, everyone. Samia is a first-year graduate student at Emory University pursuing a degree in public health. She is in the Global Health Department and doing a concentration in infectious diseases. Samia graduated from Georgia State University with a bachelor's degree in biology with a concentration in pre-med. Her past research has been centered around alcoholism and HIV and AIDS in Uganda and alcoholism and IPV and the LGBTQ community. Samia's current research interest centers around mental health, women's rights and health, alcoholism and IPV specifically in underfirst global communities. Currently, she is interested in pursuing a career in healthcare consulting with a strong background in data analytics and coding. Samia would like to take on projects concerning her areas of interest. Samia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rohan. I'm really so, excited. I'm very happy that you are <laughs> here too. So, based off your background, I know you talk a lot about mental health, mental health awareness, also you being the founder of Mon Mukti, the mm -hmm. GSU chapter. So, can you just talk to me a little bit about what Mon Mukti is, first of all, for the viewers that don't know or never heard about the organization? Sure. Um, so, it's a organization organization that I started with one of my roommates a few years ago. Um, it's essentially a part of a larger organization, which is, you know, nationwide called Mun Mukti. And we started the GSU chapter, the Georgia State University chapter. Um, so it's directed for South Asians, but we had so many other people come in who weren't just South Asian. Um, we, it was really cool. Like, we had like bi-weekly meetings um, that we like talked about like one certain mental health topic. So like one time we would talk about familial issues that were happening or talking about burnout or talking about like career stuff. Um, so it was like a really nice safe space that we started. It was almost kind of like a group therapy session. Um, and then we would, sometimes we had like a speaker come in one time and she was a psychologist and she came and talked to us about like mental health um, and what you can do to you know manage and implement like better self-care activities in like your daily life um yeah i guess it's like a little bit about it's like a good little spiel about man mukti awesome love it and yes i i know i was also part of the club as well back in gsu so Rohan just... was one of the, he always came to all the meetings he was the biggest support him and his brother rohit oh my god seriously if like 
your guys' support meant so much to building the club because it was hard lifting it off the ground because, um, you know, like even though mental health is like still talked about uh, a little more freely and openly than it was like even a few years ago, I think there's still so much stigma around mental health, especially like in the South Asian community um, that just, it just really is not addressed. So it was really great to have all the support we could get, you know. So speaking about the mental health and mental health, let's just dive into the problem. So what are the problems that, uh, you know, universities or even students, faculty members, anybody within higher education, uh, what are their problems and issues with the mental health? And are there any ways that the students or universities can address it so it can be easier on anybody who is dealing with the mental health or having a mental health crisis? So I think that there's... There's a lot of issues. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to like kind of pinpoint everything. Some of them are related to, you know, everyday stresses like school that a lot of people face in higher education or just even in high school. Um, or, you know, it can be linked to like past traumas that people have experienced um, in their personal lives, like growing up, especially when you're kids, um, a lot of like inner child stuff is wounded so that you know, comes up a lot. Um, like, I guess like, if we we're talking about higher education, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that things are very, very competitive these days. It's difficult to kind of like build your career and to find something that really fulfills you. Um, so that competition, I think, feeds a lot into feeling stressed out, feeling burnout, which leads to, you know, feelings of anxiety, of depression. Um, I think something that universities are doing though is that they are offering like you know like a lot of schools like offer like free mental health services like I um in my undergrad they offered free mental health services and so they and they do um the same thing at Emory my grad school um I think that's fine and great but I I think that you know mental health is, is something that you have to practice every single day and it's not just about like you know like classic self-care things like journaling or like reading a book it's more like boundary setting and learning how to say no when it something is really really taking a lot from you um yeah that's kind of a small thing so with so uh, as i see it there are many ways both a person can help themselves and using resources such as through the school but i do hear cases every now and then where people are going through like a mental health issues or crisis they'll be doing it in some good ways, like, oh, maybe reading like a, a book, like a self-growth book, mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, painting or drawing. Mm -hmm. But then also, I also hear people, they're like, oh, let's just, you know, go to a bar and get some drinks and stuff. And that's more of an unhealthy way. So what yeah. are some ways that you believe that um, people can just find the right ways to cope? I mean, as in everyone has their own definition of what right and wrong is, but what's the more healthy way to uh, tackle these issues when someone is dealing with mental health? Well, like you said, there are like unhealthy and healthy ways. There are sustainable ways of coping with your mental health. Um, I am a huge advocate of going to therapy. I really, I really think that everyone should go to therapy just for a little bit in their lifetime. I think that there's a lot of stuff that we experience when we're children that affect us and can traumatize us. Um, so I think going to therapy is a really great resource that people can use. 
I also think that, you know, journaling is also something else that a lot of people can do because I think like writing things out and looking at things like strategically like that um, can help a lot too. Um, there's also working out. I know that working out that biologically has so much of an effect on you because it produces so many happy hormones. Um, it reduces levels of cortisol, it increases serotonin levels, it increases dopamine, like all these like happy hormones, you know? Um, but I also think like boundary setting is also really important, learning how to say no um, and kind of saying that like, I can't give this much right now, so I'm going to take some time off. Um, and I think that that takes practice, you know, that that it, it's, that's not something you can do in like a day. That's something that you have to keep working towards. Um, but yeah, there are unhealthy coping mechanisms like drinking or like going out. Um, and that can be like an escape, you know, and that's valid at point. Um, but I, I don't think that's sustainable. You know, there are other sustainable ways of doing that. And I think that's a, something that like every individual has to um, explore. Awesome. Yeah, because I know definitely when we were both in undergrad, like we were having our moments, we were like, oh my God, I don't know if I want to do this field. And not me personally, I changed my major from comp sci to economics. And I thought it was going to be like the end of the world. Yeah. And also dealing with like external pressures, like, oh, what is my family going to think? What are my parents hey. going to think? Like, so yeah. coming from that point of view, especially us being South Indian, we know that like family matters mean a lot and how families thinks of us and how we're going to grow means a lot too. And I know like our parents care for us and they, they whatever you're doing is for our best interest. But when it comes to mental health and we, you know, always say our parents don't really understand it as well as we would like them to. So how do we bring more awareness in the most respectful way to our parents instead of them just saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. What starting, are your, what are your inputs on that? Starting the conversation and I know that's really difficult to do, especially when you have South Asian parents um, that, you know, it's like um, mental health is very much like stigmatized. But if you're saying that, like, like if we're talking about like career wise, like you had just mentioned, you have to tell them logically and you you have to deliver the information in a much more different way um, than you would like say you were talking to your friends, you know, like you have to be a little more sensitive about the thing that about where they're coming from, because um, you know, at the end of the day, I think they just have our best interests in heart. Um, and that's not always transcribed into it also being the best thing for our mental health. You know, um, like I, I was pre-med in college and I ended up not going to med school. I actually, I like took my MCAT, I applied and at the end of it, I took a look at my resume and I took a look at like all the things that like really brought me joy and it was all you know public health related and it it was a conversation that I had to have with my parents um it wasn't a fight and I will say that I did avoid that and I think that that's something you have to keep in mind is to deliver the news in a um sensitive way that they're also able to understand you know what I mean understood yeah because I definitely believe that First and foremost, you need your parents' support for anything, no matter if it's a small issue or a big issue, even regardless of good or bad, as in like, you know, say that you want to do this instead of what you were thinking you were doing and you told your parents. Right, like you the validation doing. that we get from our parents is still really important to us. Um, at least, at least it is for me, and I'm sure it is for you too. Um, 
that like being like them being them being able to say to us that yeah you're on the right track um I think that validation is really important to us but it's also really important to remember that at the end of the day you have to live your life for yourself you know and I think that comes with some guilt of being of telling your parents that like no what you originally thought is not what is actually the right path for me and I think that takes a lot of courage to be able to tell your parents that especially that like I respect your opinion and I respect the way that you know if you're thinking but you also have to like tell yourselves that like you as parents you guys have raised me to be who I am and you need to have enough confidence in the way that you've raised me that whatever decisions that I'm making as an adult are the correct decisions for myself and I can think independently and autonomously for myself you know what I mean no, for sure. I definitely get that because I remember with my experiences, I was also in the same shoes when changing my majors. I was scared because growing up, I thought I always wanted to do computer science, wanted to learn coding. And don't get me wrong, I still have that interest, but right. just me doing it more on self-learning than going through an actual path worked best for me. Right. Yeah. And that works better for some people rather than like being in a classroom. I actually am experiencing the same thing actually um, with one of my courses. I'm also trying to learn programming and um, I find I have the same exact experience as you actually. So So then when it, when it comes to also the awareness of mental health, I, I know there's like a bunch of like resources and call lines that you can use, but then there's also like the other side of the coin. There's people that are like, oh, mental health is not that big of a deal. So it's like a mental health is real versus, oh, it's not that serious. So mm -hmm. how would, how is that battle uh, coming about nowadays? What are your opinions or thoughts about it? And how can we better bring awareness to mental health to make it seem like, oh, it's not just a trivial issue. It's actually a very big issue. Right. So, you know, you can't, unfortunately, it's, it's difficult to change people's opinions. Um, I think that bringing awareness, and I think that starts at a very, like, um, fundamental root, a grassroots issue, which is, you know, um, having enough research out there about talking about mental health, um, making it more of a conversation to talk about um, and I understand and like really digging into what depression can look like and not just the classic like what you see in the movies of like being in bed all day and like eating a bunch of food or like not eating at all and like that's not always what depression looks like and come in very different forms and I think that just bringing a lot of awareness of what mental illness really does look like on a day-to-day -day face value I think that that will help a little bit um I think just starting the conversation and anything really is the key. Um, and obviously like that will take a while. The, the question that you would ask, it, it will take a while to, you know, like not convince people, but like let people know that it's okay that like if, if they are feeling down to like feel those feelings. And I think that it, it's just about awareness, um, whether it be from a systemic level of like research, of like voting, of like elections um versus you know like schools doing something about it like talking about it not just in college or in high school but at the very beginning at like elementary school I think that that um that will that could make a difference and that's just something that like that it's just work that's gonna have to be done um yeah understood so you're saying pretty much 
not like teaching it later, but actually starting to teach it in like from K through 12 and then expanding it into college as well. Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, like my younger brother, he's turning 13 actually in like a few weeks. Um, but he, I have always been very, very, very open about my mental health and my family. That is something that I've always been very open with. I've communicated that not only with my brother, but in both of my parents. And mind you, my father especially is not on face value. He does not look like he would be very into mental health. Um, but I think a part of me having the conversation with them and bringing a sense of empowerment to taking control over your mental health and not letting it control you had a big influence on them. So my brother went to therapy for a little bit. My mom went to therapy for a little bit. My dad went to therapy for a little bit. My dad has like continued that and he's found his own coping mechanisms of like doing transcendental meditation. Like he's really, he's like found a way to like deal with his mental health. But yeah, I think at least for my brother, I think that, you know, like starting the conversation when you're young has a huge impact because now he's able to identify his emotions. He's able to communicate his emotions. He's able to um, say that like, I'm getting frustrated or I'm getting triggered by something that had happened in my past. Um, I think that's really important to do as like a young child, you know? So, but with with the, the factor of, uh, you know, your past trauma and all that, how, how what advice would you per se to give for people that are feeling this and then they're having all like these flashbacks come and I know you're saying it's okay to feel all these but what I know I especially come across some people where it's like oh I don't want to feel like this I just want all the pain to go away what are some methods or um you know resources that you can provide or recommend for people that are just like oh just take the pain away from me I don't want to feel I don't want to deal with it that's I think running away is a very natural human reaction but the more what I have noticed, at least for myself and from the therapists that I have talked to, the psychologists I've spoken to in school, the more you run away from something, the more you run away from the issue, the harder it comes back and in ways that don't even present itself as the actual issue. They present itself in your relationships, especially in your romantic relationships or your familial relationships. So running away is not the solution. The solution I think is facing it head on. And yeah, it takes a lot of work and things might get worse before they get better. But honestly, like once you have started digging into past traumas, it helps so much that you're not hitting random flashbacks in the day. You're not letting it control you as much, if that makes any sense. Um, I think one of the things, one of the best things that you can do, um, well, is obviously going to therapy. Um, and I think by yourself, you can do a lot of like inner child work if you're facing traumas from when you were a kid. So a lot of like, like imagining that you as an adult are talking to your younger self in that situation that caused, that is stemming of the trauma um, and telling them that like, and hugging and like imagining that you're hugging, hugging your younger self and like you're telling them that you're safe, you're okay, it's okay. I think that brings a lot of peace of mind for that little child that's still inside you. Um, I think for traumas that you experience as an adult, though, that is something, there's not like one answer 
you know, things work differently for other people. And there's not like a state of achievement for anything, if that makes any sense. Like you're continuously working on your mental health. Um, Journaling, I think is a really great outlet. I I just, I'm not a fan of like putting a bandaid on anything, you know? So I hesitate sometimes when you're dealing with severe trauma to like work out, to forget about it. You don't want to forget about it. You, you, it's helpful to um, like, to do a lot of work in it. And I think the best way is honestly therapy and not, and there are different types of therapies. There's like CBT therapy, there's DBT therapy. There are different types of therapy that help you process all of the stuff that you have experienced in your life. Does that make any sense? No, I completely get you. And you're always saying the word therapy, therapy over again. So that is definitely- I'm not sure if you can tell. Oh yes, so I I pretty much picked that up. But like you know, and I'm all for therapy too. Like I'm not against it. I've never done it, but like I know if um that option's always there for me if need be. Right. So like I'm I'm a you know a mental health advocate. I want to support people, therapy advocate, people that need to go. Because likewise, like I also um with my friends, sometimes they'll come to me and just want to rant me about the problems. And in that self, that That's loads different. yes, like in that self, you know. Because most, and at least with our generation, yeah, we have our parents, but we're usually telling our friend group first our issues. And then from there, we go to our parents. At least I know that's how it's me. Like I don't, I tell all my friends first, including you. And then I tell my parents. So definitely, um, I believe having like a, definitely a positive support group. Right. And a lot of people don't still are afraid of going to therapy. And I understand that. And I recognize that though, I think that, you know, awareness helps. Um, I just don't think it's always affordable for everyone. Some insurances don't cover therapy, you know, which sucks. Um, and that's a whole different, you know, topic in and of itself. Um, I think you're right though. Um, if you're not able to access therapy, having a really great support system around you, having people who can talk to you closely is very helpful as well if you don't want to do intense work. Um, but just being able to talk about your traumas openly and not like being okay, like quote unquote, with what had happened in your past, but just becoming a little bit more at peace and not so angry at it. Um, I think that's best done by talking. And yeah, friends, you're right. Because most people go to their friends first before they go to their parents. And I think that's just, that just naturally happens when you're a little bit older. I think that um, it's just kind of the natural way of, of things. Not to say I don't tell my parents everything because I do. And I'm really open to my parents. And I know you know that. I'm like very, very open to my parents. They know everything about me. But I do end up going to like my best friends, my close people like friends wise first so yeah having a good support system helps no definitely like I believe that 100% I support everything that you're doing so as we're you know switching gears and diving in deeper I just want to get to know your insight like what drives you what's the reason you decided to uh be a mental health advocate recently you decided to start mom look I know you gave like hints and teasers here and there in our earlier conversations but if you can just dive in more I'd really love to hear and share with our audience what your passion is and what drives you to do what you're doing today um that's that's kind of one of my favorite questions to answer actually um I think part of the reason why I love mental health so much is because I've experienced a lot of traumatic events in my life um more so than I think like my other friends have 
um, starting at a very, very young age. Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer at a very, when I was hitting um, my teens. And at the time my brother was very young, he was two. Um, that combined in conjunction with some other stuff that just happened in my past. I think that that has really facilitated my drive into helping other people. Because even though I, I'm still a work in progress, I have in no way achieved, you know, like mental stability, so to speak. Um, but I think like because of what had happened to me and help that I got, I really want to be able to do that for other people as well. Um, that combined with when I was in Uganda, I had volunteered at a mental institution as well. And it was really, really eye-opening. Like there were, and I like the words I'm saying will in, will in no way be able to describe what you experienced there. But to give you a picture, it was 800 patients. Um, and mind you, this is the only mental hospital, whatever, in all of East Africa. So think about how large and how many countries make up East Africa. And there's only one. And there's an, a severe overcrowding of patients. Like there are only, there were only, I think, 500 beds. And it was heavily, heavily populated with people. Um, starting at like, like they have like a pediatric section as well. Um, like really, really young kids, and most of them are over-medicated. Um, there was no sign of talk therapy. There were only, I think, three or four psychiatrists. For 800 patients, there were only three or four doctors, and I think there were eight nurses, if I'm getting my numbers correctly. Yeah, it was a really, really terrible situation. It was really sad. People were walking around barefoot, um, unsupervised, and many of them were jumped up and doped up, and there was no signs of talk therapy. And we were told, we, we had the privilege of being able to sit down with the director of the mental institution, and I especially was asking a lot of questions, and he was evading a lot of them. Um, he was saying that, you know, I, I would ask him, like, what are you, what do you do? Like, what, what are like the kind of forms of therapy you had? And he was like, oh, we have talk therapy. We have a group session. So I think just like going through that experience in my own personal life, I think that that has had, had a huge impact on um, my passion for mental health. I just, I don't want to see other people suffer so severely. Well, all, all I can say to that, Samia, is that you have one of the most purest and golden hearts out there. I'm such an honor to be one of your very close friends, if not one one of your best friends. Like, I just love everything you're doing. I'm so happy you're doing this. I would love to support you in any way or form. Oh, thank you. That you have, that means so much. That means so, so much. And then also just con continuing the conversation yeah. about mental health, where do you see it going within like higher education or even in the real world? Like, where do you see this issue, this problem going? Do you see it improving, getting worse? What are your opinions on it? Like five, 10 years from now? I think five, 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot more improvement. You know, like if you just look at five, 10 years ago about where we were, um, mental health was so stigmatized um, lobotomies were still in practice 
secretly, but they were in practice up, up, up until the 2000s, you know? And if we have made so much progression since very like, like I guess like scary times, I, I think is the best way to describe it. If we've made so much stride in that, I'm sure that there will be so much stride like going in the next five, 10 years. Um, I think awareness is gonna just keep continuing. A lot more research is gonna be put in there. Um, I think doctors are going to be a lot more aware of asking more mental health sensitive questions. Um, I see it progressing at least in the um, higher socioeconomic countries. And I think that that lower socioeconomic countries, I think that that is still a conversation that needs to be addressed. And, you know, there's so many, there's that's a completely different conversation for the for and you'd have to like look at each country individually but at least in the U.S. I think that mental health will continue to grow and awareness will continue to grow as well at least I hope so I would I mean I would love to see that as well you know I yeah. don't want to see anybody going through um their like crisis at a at any age really not just a young age but at any age I feel like everybody should go to the right people, whether it's their parents, their right. friends, and like, crises aren't going to stop, you know, like life isn't going to stop. It's just knowing how to manage it better in the moment. So instead of it letting it get to an anxiety attack or a panic attack, which is more short term, like short term rather than like an anxiety attack, I think seeking help before it gets bad is the key to this. And that includes having a support system, that includes boundary setting, that includes, you know, classic quote unquote self-care activities that bring you some kind of inner peace and some kind of escape from the situation. But yeah. then when it comes to like the negative effects of mental health mm -hmm. that people are facing, what what else can uh, there be done? You know, like you said, journaling mm -hmm. and just self-care, having coping visions. But what if people go to the extreme, like, they're having suicidal thoughts. Obviously there's like the suicide hotline prevention number that they can contact, mm -hmm. but you see my, some people not even contacting that and they're just, you know, wanting to jump the gun. So like, what can you say about people that are having like high levels of like mental health, uh, panic attacks in terms of a better word? So I think that that is an extreme, right? And we want, it's almost like preventative medicine. The whole concept of preventative medicine is to be able to address the issue before it even becomes an issue, you know? So for those who are feeling suicidal and that's, you know, a combination of hormonal changes and like even the way your brain is structured, um, if you may have like a larger, like, like um, I think it's a frontal lobe or something like that, that it's that um, people with a larger frontal lobe may experience like, um, higher levels of, um, I think it's schizophrenia. Um, but even getting to that level, I think it's just, you know, seeking help before it gets really bad. Help may look different for other people. Help may look like um, talking to someone, you know, and I, I think that's a really, it's a difficult question to answer. I think it's a really, really hard question to answer, honestly, because I, I think for cases that are really severe, where people just feel really lonely, having some kind of feeling of community can help. Um, whether it be like an online community, whether it be like an in-person community, I think that that could be a way to address the issue before it even becomes so severe. Um, yeah, and you know, that's easier said than done. 
for it's sure. It's a lot easier said than done. For sure. Yeah. Like you were saying, you don't, you know, deal with all this in one day overnight. Oh, boom, it's better. No, it can take like days, if not months, if not even years mm-hmm. to handle. I have been going to therapy since I was 15, um, on and off, but I have been addressing my mental health issues since I was 15, you know, and it it's a process and there's no concept of like achievement of like, haha, I've achieved like this, like great state of mental health. Like, no, that that's not a thing, you know, like, unfortunately, that's not a thing because life is going to keep happening. Um, but being able to address it, um, and being able to talk about it and acknowledging that it, it is painful and that something is going on, um, that that's kind of like the, the key, I, I would say. And Okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You, just to acknowledge that, okay, I am feeling this. It's okay to feel this because this is mm-hmm. like, once you realize you are feeling this and it is only getting better from here, that's what I'm understanding. Yeah. But then as a bystander, say that not you, but your friend is dealing with all types. And this is from my personal experience. Like I've had like not to say any names, but like I've had a friend, a very close friend of mine dealing with mental health. And she was always like, oh, I had to deal with it by myself. And I just I even though I wanted to be there for her, I just couldn't. So for like future generations, how can a bystander not or friend help that one person when they're trying to just deal with it all on their by or by themselves um that question varies by person i think you have to ask that person first and foremost what they need at the time because they themselves know better than you you know and even though that you want to help them actively you want to see them smile that may not always be the case Um, that they want that to happen at that point, you know, and you can't like fix anyone. That's not an expectation you should have out of yourself. Um, I think being able to hold them and being there in support, whether it be an active support um, or like more of like a by, like an off, like a passive support, I think that's really important. But I think asking the person what they want first and foremost and keeping a close eye on them to make sure that, you know, they are keeping up with like brushing their teeth or like eating properly, like sleeping, or at least getting some kind of sunshine and like vitamin D, because that that helps a lot too with any kind of mental illness. Um, but yeah, I think it, it that question, it really, it does vary and it does depend on the person that you're asking. And I, I know it, it can get really difficult when you can see, when you see your friend going through such difficult time, but sometimes you just have to let that person feel those feelings and go through it and just be there in the support that they want and not be overbearing in any way that they want, they don't want, because that can also, you know, impact them negatively. Um, yeah it's a really it's a very um it's a fine line that you have to walk when you see your friend or any loved one going through such a difficult time just keeping a close eye on them and suggesting you know things yeah because with with my experiences like I've been keeping close eye on them but then sometimes like in them and I know they don't mean it but then sometimes their mental health can start to affect your Mm -hmm. own personal mental health so How can, how can you also solve that problem too, you know? I think keeping in mind that, okay, you know what my favorite lines is? 
it's like it's like when you know when you're in an airplane and be before you're going to take off the path like the flight attendant says like like in case of a crash put on your own mask and then help another person that is that applies everywhere i think you have to take care of yourself first and if it's taking too much out of you mentally really you have to take a step back and no one will blame you you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of another person that is not an expectation anyone should have of you um so if it is affecting you learning boundary setting learning how to say no that this is too much for me right now i need to take away from this situation because sometimes seeing your friend can trigger you and it can trigger a lot of stuff inside you that you don't you don't even know that was a thing you know like so you you really have to be able to be like I love you and I'm there for you but I also recognize I have to take care of myself and I can't fix you I, I will not be able to talk you through this because Rohan you're not a licensed therapist I'm not a licensed therapist I'm not a psychologist I am not a psychiatrist I'm not even a doctor we don't know how to address these things we just know how to be a friend and being a friend also requires like being kind to yourself first and foremost understood yeah well Samia I can definitely talk to you for hours and hours about mental health and trying to achieve this but as we're wrapping up uh, any sort of do you have anything else you want to talk about or any final words of wisdom to impart on our viewers um I think that Remember that I am just a grad student. Um, I am in no ways an expert about mental health. I think that this is, the things that I have said are just the advice that I have learned from my own experiences, from the things that I've seen, from being there to support my friends, um, from being a founder to, you know, like a mental health club on a college campus. I'm in no way a certified, therapist or psychologist or doctor. So, you know, formulate your own opinions and formulate your own definition of what self-care is and formulate like, what mental health means to you. Um, don't just like take my advice only, like question my advice, you know, and question the things I'm saying because that's the only way that progress happens is when you question other people and question their doings, so. Yeah, I just wanted to put a disclaimer to the words that I'm saying as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Samia, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You are welcome back on this podcast anytime. Don't hesitate. Viewers, thank you so much for listening. We will post the show notes and links to contact Samia as well as links to Emery and Man Mukti. Thank you so much, Samia. Thank you so much for having me, Rohan. This has been so much fun. I really Likewise. love it. Everything is a service. Whether it's finding ways to help students reach their goals within higher education, sharing medical records to patients quickly and securely, informing residential customers of an impending outage, or communicating with remote satellites thousands of miles apart. All of it requires data, integration, and communication. At Intuin, we provide services that make all of these possibilities realities. And we make it faster, simpler, secure, and easier. Because we believe everything is a service, and bringing everything together is how we can help you innovate and change the world.